This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to the Flying Solo Podcast, a show for those going it alone in business. If you're working solo or have dreams of starting up, you'll find support, inspiration and advice at Australia's largest and liveliest small business community. Find us at flyingsolo.com.au or join us on Facebook. Here's your host, Robert Gerrish. Hello and welcome to another Flying Solo podcast. If you've yet to check out premium membership, please do as there's a mass of tools and benefits to help your business stand out and to ensure you stay at the top of your game. As part of membership, you get a full page listing in our directory, entry to a private discussion group, access to a library of over 80 how-to videos, a copy of the best-selling book and much, much more all for just $99, head to the join page to find out more. Now, today, I'm so happy to be speaking with a gentleman I haven't spoken to for far too long, Yaro Starak. Hello, Yaro. Hi, Robert. How are you? I'm very good. Look, we, we go back. I was trying to figure out how long, but oh, it must be a dozen or so years, I think, at least, isn't it? When mm-hmm. we, more than that, probably. 2005, end of, I believe. Oh, I was, is that right? Just, yeah, I was doing a redesign on my blog and I saw the, the first podcasts I ever did. And you were, I think, the number two interview I ever did. So. Is that right? Oh, yeah. I must check the listens on that then because there's, there's a nice long tail on podcasts, aren't there? Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> well, look, so it's, it's terrific <laughs> to be speaking with you. And for those who don't know you, I always think of you as really the man who kind of brought um, blogging to Australia. I don't know whether that's... Um, brought blogging to us, I should say. You just seem to be the first person kind of doing it. So you were living in Brisbane then, I think. Is that right? And where, where are correct. you now? And just, can you remember way back when? What, what, how, would you, how would you describe yourself then? And then we'll have a look at who you are now. Right. Well, it, it was the dawn of blogging. You're, you're quite correct. Um, there was another Australian blogger. Most people will know uh, Darren Rouse, who yep. who was yep. you know from Melbourne, and I, I I was aware of him and a couple of other bloggers, but I was also aware of a few guys doing some pretty cool things with email. So I think I, I prefer to say rather than um, <clears throat> excuse me, rather than being the guy who brought blogging to Australia, I really feel like I was one of the, probably the first person to see the the combination of blogging okay, okay. plus email marketing. And that, that was something the bloggers, they weren't doing email. And I was, I was loving email. That, you got caught me right when I just started playing with email. I think oh, is that, that right? Okay, gosh. Yeah, well, okay. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? So, um, yeah, and of course, I'm sure a number of listeners, as you say, will know Darren and, um, and you know, Darren and all the work he does with ProBlogger. And you've, so you're still running your, and it was the Entrepreneur's, entrepreneur's Journey was your initial blog. And are you still running that? I mean, technically, yes. We, we literally, just as we're recording this, have done a, a redesign and a domain name change. Uh, I, I kind of retired the, the entrepreneurs-journey.com domain. 
Uh, I'll be honest with you. I mean, when I first registered that, this was meant to be a, a hobby website. Yeah. I mean, I would not repeat the the hyphen and a word like entrepreneur, which is really hard to spell for most people. So mm. now I'm under my, I guess, my personal brand, just my name, you know, yarrow.blog is, it's the same site, but just with a new domain name. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And when you started, I mean, I remember, and uh, we will get to the present day soon, I promise, but you know, I, I'm at the stage of life where I just love reminiscing. Um, <laughs> you know, I remember when you started, you were one of the first people that I ever uh, really was aware of who was incredibly open about everything you were doing. You were sharing, you know, graphs of how things were going. You were sharing your revenue. You were really doing that in a, in a, in a, in a you know a very open way and I guess that's part of that is as you say you were kind of doing it as a hobby um, did you feel when you were starting like that did you think I'm going to do this my way I'm going to go you know kind of against what anyone else is doing or how much of it was a strategy and how much of it was just kind of the way you fell into it Oh, a bit of both, I would say. I mean, there's there's the strategic element that I, I had seen, for example, uh, it might have even been Darren or there was another blogger called Jeremy Shoemaker, and, and they put pictures up of their um, Google AdSense earnings, you know, back yeah. in the heyday when people made a lot of money from AdSense. Um, so I thought, you know, I could talk about an income report. Like, it's funny because income reports are so common now. You've got finance bloggers doing it. You've got mm. tons of people in the internet marketing space just talking about how much money they make and how they do it. But I guess, yeah, I was certainly one of the first people to kind of at the start be consistent reporting that back. But I think you're also referring to a level of transparency that goes beyond just kind of opening up your, your money or your, mm, your traffic definitely. to your website. Yeah. There's, there's the whole talking about what you're struggling with as an entrepreneur as well and, and what techniques are working and, you know, you change your mind as an entrepreneur too. So to say one minute, oh, I'm, I'm focused on this and now I'm doing something else. I think we all know what that's like at the early stages. We kind of jump sure. all the time. And to, to be transparent about your, your flakiness, I guess, was a little bit different as well back then because most people expect to put forward, you know, the, the very professional, yes. uh, very effective, you know, getting everything right persona before mm. that. Mm. And uh, blogging was the opposite. It was like, be more transparent and get a stronger following and, and get more traffic as well. It was counterintuitive. But for me, I loved it. I loved sharing, uh, you know, all the, the dirty laundry. Yeah, the okay. <laughs> and do you still, to an extent, you still do that? Yeah, I mean, it's changed as a reflection of me changing. You know, it's not, yeah, okay. uh, you know, back then I would have been, I was, you know, 25. And now yeah. we're talking, I'm 39. Right. So, you know, it's a different different man talking about different subjects. And sure. I had way, way more confidence compared to back then. So, but I would do it all again. I definitely, you know, I yeah, do okay. love that, that And sharing. so would you think to somebody starting now, do you still think that is a pretty good strategy? I mean, certainly I think being very open and honest is, is. Uh, I mean, do you still view that? Because I don't, I don't, maybe I'm not sure whether it's that I don't see it so much or whether I've also sort of moved on a little bit from the, the kind of things that I read. What's your observation mm. of that? Yeah, I mean, I think you have to say it still is effective. I mean, we've got reality television up the wahoo now and why is sure. reality television working? It's so uh, transparent. Maybe we've swung the, the pendulum a little too far where, you know, a sex tape is not even strange anymore, which probably mm. it should always be something that's not common, you know, but um, I think from the point of being of an entrepreneur running a business, 
especially, you know, if you're trying to differentiate yourself in a crowded space, your personal brand is one of the strongest things you can have as a, a non-replicatable, unique differentiation, competitive advantage type thing. So that's a snappy uh, one. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you can't, no one else can be you and, and no, blogging and podcasting and YouTube being transparent it, that no one can steal. And, and it's a reason to buy from you. That's what I've certainly, you know, benefited from for the, decade or so I've made money as a blogger it's because people like Yarrow first trust yeah, Yarrow yeah. first and yeah. that's why they buy a course from me or yeah. you know or even my current business it's because of that in many yeah, ways we'll, we'll we'll come on there in a sec as well but tell me uh, talking about your audience there so um you know over the years you've you've clearly grown a very large audience uh, are they are the audience kind of you know as you said you're you're 39 now you were 25 then are your audience growing with you or do you, you know, who's, who's typically a sort of profile? What's the profile of your audience today? You know, as much as I'd love to say, I really know the answer to that question. I, I really don't, but I, I, I can definitely tell you that, for example, I had a wonderful moment once when I was selling my main course and I had literally the same day someone bought from me my course and wrote an email saying, I've been following you for eight years and I'm finally buying your course and you know, I, I love your work and this is, I just, I'm ready now to, to do this. And then another email comes in. I only discovered you two weeks ago, right. but I love all the stuff I'm getting from you and I've just bought your course. <laughs> you isn't know, that stuff. lovely? But that, isn't that interesting? And I think it's, you know, it's something that we often forget and, you know, we can say this now as a, uh, as a couple of guys who've kind of have run a business for quite a long time is that, um, you know, you do really benefit, um, it, you know, you just, or you don't, you don't really know how much benefit you're building um, day to day, but then if something pops up like that, and I, I had something recently, a similar thing where somebody sent me a note saying, I saw you speaking at this event. I think that was also eight years ago. And, um, you know, would you come back? Would you come and do one for us? It's like, my goodness, eight years ago. You know, I'm just thinking, gosh, I hope it's not the same talk. Um, but anyway, <laughs> that's another, another story. So in the, in the period that you've been running, how many times would you say you've pivoted or changed direction? You mean in, as an entrepreneur? Yes, as an entrepreneur. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, ooh, lots. Um, I mean, okay. the, the most consistent thing I've done, you know well, is, is blogging mm. and podcasting. So I, 2005 was when I started both those, not intending them to be businesses, though. They were more to augment an existing company. I think, you know, I had an, an essay uh, and thesis editing yes, yes, company. That's right. You did too. Then. Yep. Before that business, I had an online collectible card game store selling, uh, it's a game called Magic the Gathering. And in between those, there were a bunch of websites I built that literally went nowhere. But, you know, I was a young entrepreneur throwing things against the wall. Hmm. Um, and then, you know, when I started blogging over the years, there was like a, a, an advertising startup I had for a couple of years that ended up, we, we closed it down, but it, you know, we built an audience and made a bit of money from that. It was like an advertising platform for bloggers. Um, and more recently, you know, I've started, uh, I'm in the process of setting up a solar energy company and also my, my current business, you know, an email management service. So I think those are the biggest pivots, but mm. you know, the amount of thoughts I've had about different businesses. <laughs> Let's not go there. 
<laughs> but when you've when you've uh, and you know pivot is very much kind of the word of the last year or so and i guess um you know it's been um for it might have been phrased in many other ways over the years but have you do you think of it as 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 pivoting or do you think okay i've tried that that's not quite working i'll shut that down i'll do this instead is right. that is that kind of more the thought yeah you should yeah. that that's worth clarifying like a pivot mm. traditionally means you know, you're running a business and you're going to change a fundamental aspect of the business model. That's usually what people consider a pivot, but yeah. it can be really extreme. You know, they went from audio to Twitter, which was like a podcasting platform to a, a micro messaging platform, almost yeah. completely unrelated. Mm. So, and then you got people who say they pivot and all they did was change from being, you know, like a service trying to build a membership site, offering something to more a bespoke agency just targeting high-end clients same kind of topic same kind yep. of service just a different you know customer base and pricing point so i think for me it's probably fair to say i've pivoted within blogging uh really only twice because i've started off being focused on advertising yep. and affiliate products and then i kind of started my own training products and then I kind of realized that that's where the money was. So I left advertising and then eventually left affiliate marketing. So it was more like a, I wouldn't call these pivots. It's really just testing income generation methods and figuring mm. out which one works best. So um, I'm probably doing more of a, I wouldn't even call it a pivot now. I'm, I'm changing businesses to be. Yes, really okay. Because yeah. I mean, to certainly, uh, and I, I would say you're still doing it today, but certainly my observation of you when you were starting is you were very much, um, you know, you were an opinion leader. You were at the, you know, the front. You were doing things before other people were doing it. Do you still think of yourself like that, or have you, as you know, I'm interested in you as a, as the business owner now. You know, sort of a dozen or so years in. Do you still feel that that's where you want to be or need to be? Or are you taking more of a um, kind of looking at what's going on around your space now? If that, mm. if that makes sense as a question. Yeah, I, I can see where you're going. It's when I was just getting started as a blogger and a podcaster, it was new. So you could almost do anything and you're considered a pioneer. You know, you, yeah. you, you wrote a blog post talking about uh, something from your family life. Whoa, yeah. that's new. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's yeah. so you're a business owner talking about your, your, your history or your mm. upbringing or something. And then, uh, you know, even just starting a podcast was new when I started it too. Uh, I'd say a lot of the early days as a thought leader was very much about that. You know, I, I had to test something like, Oh, I'm doing a product launch and I'm going to be one of the first people to do a, a three part video series in, in my industry or the first person to write a free report and give it away, that should be something that people would expect to pay money for, uh, moving yep. the free line, as Evan Pagan calls it. Mm. Um, I think as I got more mature in my market, the market got mature as well. So, you know, what I find interesting about all industries, you know, we all know this, the development curve of an industry is you've got these uh, early adopters and you've got these market leaders who kind of paved the way. And then it fragments and there's innovators, but they're all innovating within smaller and smaller sub niches. So I feel what kind of happened is I, my audience size kind of, I would say almost plateaued, but they became very much, well, they always were, but they're, they're Yarrow fans. So they follow everything yes. I do just as, you know, uh, Robert has his fans, Darren Rouse has his fans. So we all kind of got our, our core tribe as Kevin Kelly or Seth Godin mm. would talk about your, you know, 1000 sure. true fans. 
hands. Yep. Um, and then nowadays it's more, I have more resources so I can contemplate a new business idea and not needed to, like I have an audience already. And then that's yeah, to okay. me, like I will always say this to anyone, if you want to consider starting a blog or create content on the internet, you know, do it even if that's not your plan as a business model because you to can build your audience yeah you parlay the audience into any business model or yeah. a professional writer you know write a book or even get on stage you know because you sure. have an audience you know? yeah yeah that's that's a that's a great point so do you think of yourself are you a better entrepreneur now than you were then pros and cons um i okay. i definitely uh, it's funny. I, I work less now and I worked so hard in the past so I could work less now. So it's right. kind of a natural evolution. You know, I think it's like anything. You have to build up an asset base. You have to build up a following um, to get to the point where you can work less. But from the beginning, I preached 80-20 rule. I preached, you know, leverage returns. Yep. Um, and I tried to practice it as much as I could. But until you actually make your full-time income online and then you uh, hopefully make more if you're going after more, you don't really believe it. And of course, you know, I had probably five years where you'd call it, you know, in the wilderness of um, trying to make a living. And, and there's a lot of self-doubt and there's a lot of like late nights building websites yourself, which I would never do now. But right. I can only say that because there's X amount of dollars in my bank account and I've got a property here and a business making money there. It'd be very different if I was broke. I'd be probably still hustling, sure. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, okay. So you've, uh, all right. I think that, that's, that's, a, that's a good response. So, you know, it's, um, you've, you, what you're saying is you're kind of reaping the rewards of all the effort that you put in. And what I love about what you've done and the way you're talking about it is, is you put um, clearly this real value around your audience and I, and I can see why so basically as long as I guess as long as you've got an audience that you're communicating with you're listening to then what you put in front of them you know you can shift and vary and adjust that and you have done but you've always kept the audience and I remember you did something we've done a number of things that I, I found incredibly brave one of them was you did a major kind of cleanup of your list didn't you you basically um, I, I recall you did that a few years ago where you basically said, you know, kind of no more Mr. Nice Guy unless you really, really want to hear from me, kind of go away. I know you didn't say it like that, but you really <laughs> cleaned it up, didn't you? You'd, and that was brave because that's at a time when, when kind of anybody or so many other people around you, if you could get any email address anywhere, you'd stick it on your list, which is horrible behavior. But you, again, just flew in the opposite direction. I went, you know what? I've got all these people, but if they don't want to hear from me, I don't want to talk to them. What was that like? That must have been, I mean, that was fairly harrowing, wasn't it, to go through that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we still do it. I just, a couple of days ago, before I started a little campaign, I deleted 10,000 subscribers from my email list because they're non-responsive. Um, I, I know the incident you're talking about, though. Right. I think I, I wrote about it publicly. I literally cut my email list in half because I was uh, for the first time well and truly getting rid of the dead subscribers. Not that they're yep. physically dead, but they had uh, no longer paying attention for whatever reason. Um, it sounded more daunting, I guess, before you do it than it actually is once you, mm -hmm. you do it. And, and then you kind of get the data to back it up. Like I remember very carefully checking what are my email open rates and my yes. click-through rates. Before like how many unique individuals yeah almost didn't change the only thing that did change was the ratios you know i went yes, from 100,000 people to get to get a 10% open rate to 50,000 people now getting a 20% open rate or something yeah, like that you know sure. so it, it just 
it makes sense. Yeah, of course. And and you're you know again, I admire the way you you're always a man that's you're you you know what stats to look at. You're always kind of keeping your eye on the dials, um, but you do it in a in a in a you know a really sort of deep way, and it's. Um, and that's just so good to see where you, you will come across, I'm sure, and I do, you come across people who are purely counting kind of total numbers. And it's just increasingly fairly meaningless. You know, it's, it's what's the engagement, what's actually happening with those people. But anyway, let's, um, let us move. Well, actually, no, before I move on to your current business, where, where are you today? You're not in, you were in Brisbane, then you moved to Melbourne, I think. Briefly. And briefly. And I think anyone listening will know that you sound a little bit like you might be Canadian. <laughs> yes. So what's the story there? Where are you? And what's your kind of your geographical strategy? Yeah. Yeah, you're you're a man living in Sydney who kind of sounds British, so you know we both. Uh... <laughs> Fair cop, <go. laughs> um, No, I mean, yes, Canadian family. I've got both Canadian and Australian citizenship. So three years ago, I left uh, Australia, and I actually moved to San Francisco with the trip to Asia. I mean, there's no short answer to this. I'm living in Vancouver presently, but I've been almost spent the last three years only in Airbnbs: Europe, oh, okay. America, uh, Japan. Hong Kong. Um, I went to my father's homeland of Ukraine and then actually bought myself an investment property there. And wow. um, I wrote a book while traveling on trains through Germany and Amsterdam on the way to a conference in London. So what was that book? Well, it's, uh, my, it's a book to be released. I've finished the oh, first okay. draft. Yeah. It's called the change manifesto. It's, it's probably going to huh. come out next year. I have to get, get my energy back to do the rewrites now. You know, yeah, it's okay. like writing yeah, a book. Right. Well, we'll get you back when you publish that. Yeah, so so, so you, clearly you're, you're a globe trotter and it doesn't sound like you're necessarily going to settle anywhere anytime soon. No, I, I feel like children is what kind of gets you settled. Some people would argue that's not the case. I've got a, a student who actually started making children as she traveled around places like Egypt and, and Europe. But, um, yep. you know, it, it seems to settle down more people. I don't when have any. start so. school, I think it, it really does start to settle people down. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't yeah. keep pulling them out of school. But yeah. no, I will. I mean, I, the, the only downside is I like both. I like the repetition of, you know, one city and, you know, your regular friends, your yoga class, whatever it yeah. is you like. Yeah. Um, but I also get restless and that, that feeling of landing somewhere new or going back to somewhere you really like and, you know, you've got friends and like going back to Australia is going to be great because I can see friends I haven't seen in three years, four years. Sure. So, yeah, but I think the planet's huge and you really, uh, there's, you'll never see enough. Uh, no, so you no, be, quite right. You'll see some of it. Yeah. So you have, you presumably have a sort of virtual team that you, you travel, or not that they literally travel, but that you kind of take around with you. You must have a number of support people around you now that you've gathered over the years. So presumably they're anywhere they need to be. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, for me, the outsourcing and building a team has been, I, I took a while to be honest. I tried to do a lot myself. Like I've even did technology, setting up websites myself. It took me about four years to realize I should spend the small amount of money I was making at the time on hiring a tech person. Right. And then uh, once I had a business, my essay company back then, well and truly up and running, that's actually when I hired my, my first sort of email support customer service person. Mm. For a long time, I did really well with just those two key roles being outsourced virtually. Like you said, I, I had uh, stay-at-home moms. Yeah. Um, one was Australian and, and they're both Australian at the time back then. Yeah. Uh, and I, and I, yeah, I traveled and they would kind of run things when I wasn't, you know, 
Yeah. I, that was actually the point of it was to get people. Of so that I, Because I, before then, I, I had to do things like re- respond to emails or fix a website. And now yeah. I didn't anymore. And then I just expanded from there. So I've had, you know, more, more customer service people, more tech people, marketing people, shrinks and grows. Everyone, sure. we've got people in America and Canada, had, you know, Philippines, India. Yeah. So when yeah. you need them, you, you know where to find them. And, yeah. you, you know, again, I think, uh, I, I think you got to the four-hour work week before Tim Ferriss did. But Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> there, must be, actually, there must be times in your life where you've sat there and you've seen a book and you've gone, oh, why didn't I do that? Why didn't <laughs> I write that book? You, I, mean, I, I think never, I told you. I never I, get that. I never get that because I'm always running a, you know, a few steps behind everybody. Right. Yeah, you awesome. must get it. You must get it. <laughs> I remember you were saying you, you a year later you would copy what I or test what I was doing and yeah yeah no you're yeah. quite right I I had a domain name twohourworkday.com oh you're kidding in my uh, my list of domains to and this is before Tim released his book and um, yeah once he released it. And then I saw how well it did. I was like, I'm never going to be able to use this domain name now. <laughs> it's just, it's done. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely. Yeah, that's very true, actually. In the early days of flying solo, we definitely, we would, Peter, uh, who's also a very strong follower of you and has been for a number of years, um, Peter Crocker, he's, um, we would definitely say, well, let's, let's, let, let's see what Yarrow does with it. And then we'll, we'll wait and see, we'll wait and see whether we go in that direction. That was your Which, guinea pig. <laughs> yeah, you were. Well, you still are. So there you go. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> the bag now so let's um let's have a look at what you're doing now because this is just so impressive and uh just for people listening because they've got no idea where we're going now but i remember when you when we first kind of came into contact with each other when i first spoke with you you were doing something that i thought was just bonkers you were getting somebody else to handle your email and this was at a time when you know in those days, to me, getting an email was pleasurable. You get a little ping and it's like, oh, <laughs> great, someone else has written to me. You know, those days, it's not the same now. But even way back then, you were having somebody manage your email for you. This is a dozen years or more ago. So that's like your blogging. That's something that's been ticking away and you've been finessing and fine-tuning how you do that. And that's led to your current business that I'm, I know is going pretty bonkers. Tell us about that. What is it? Because I, I want to understand it and then I want to pull it to pieces. <laughs> <laughs> sure. So, I mean, it's, it's great we've mentioned Tim and 4-Hour Workweek because, mm-hmm. like you said, maybe two years before he released the book and in three or four years before that, I was trying to do that. I was wanting to travel. I wanted an income stream from the internet and I didn't want to create a business that was a job. That was the other dangerous thing. So, yeah. you know, I'd read the E-Myth revisited by Michael Gerber as well. Sure. Another, or They're all great books on outsourcing and building teams. But for me, there was this moment I was down in Sydney traveling from Brisbane and this was before we had smartphones. So I had to keep going into an internet cafe to yeah. check if any jobs came in. If you could uh, find one. Right. Yeah. And then I had to make sure because we were based on on time, like we could lose money if we didn't respond to an email on time, get a job off to an editor and, and get it back to the client. Yeah. So I'd have to go in three or four times throughout a day just to not risk losing that, that job. And I got home from that trip going, this is not the lifestyle I wanted. So that from that point forward, I said, okay, hiring an email person. And that was 2003 or 2002. It was a long time ago. Wow. And it was it was a bit like weird because people didn't outsource email. You know, they didn't say, come into my inbox and take over this role for no. me or even for my company. 
but I tried it with a friend who I, you know, I trusted and it was interesting because I trained her how to do what I do with email and then watched her start, first of all, studying my emails and then watched her respond just to make sure I was happy with how she was doing it. Yep. Yeah. With, you know, a bit of training took probably a few weeks to really get her up to speed. But then I said, you know what, you're doing as good a job, if not better sometimes, because this is your only task in the business than I did. So it's all yours now. And I woke up like on a Monday without like your habit is to go and, you know, look at your email and, sure. and get that sugar rush or, you know, yeah, yeah. feel stressed, whatever it might be. Right. Um, and I was like, I don't know what to do now because I've got no role in my company anymore. It was kind of like the last thing I removed myself from. And then I never looked back. You know, I, I left that business, I sold it. And then I was in blogging and podcasting. But from day one, as soon as I had enough kind of email to warrant it. I, I had an email, actually the same person. She came with me and took over my email in that company. Right. And then we got busy enough that I hired another person to do email. And then more recently, we kind of took it to the next level where you bring on a person to, first of all, take over your email and then look at what you can do proactively. Can you, for example, build a follow-up system to bring a potential customer and, and make them a customer? Because that was something I always felt... I was not doing a good enough job of like yeah, okay. having a, a system where we send multiple emails to try and get this customer to come on board or the reverse to try and save. Like, for example, you know what it's like, you're running a membership mm. site and rebuilds fail and you're like, you know, it fails again and you have to start chasing that up. And that's a job in itself. So building an email system beyond just the automatic emails from a system, but an actual human being chasing this up so watching those things and responding yeah yeah and there's all the usual things sorting out you know newsletters and uh making sure the, the help with you know how do i download this handout where do i find this resource just everything you can think of so what is what is it what's the proposition of your well firstly what's the name of your new business right um, what's the proposition and who's it aimed at well, you, you said it in one sentence. Essentially, we take over your email. So I haven't handled my email in 12 years. And we decided uh, about a year ago to see if this is a company and uh, tested it with two people internally. Worked well. Got the domain name inboxdone.com set up, which is the name of our company, inboxdone.com. Yeah, I was very happy when I got mm, that one. That's the thing and uh, yeah, we've been growing ever since. It's it's uh, when you find you know the person who resonates with that. I don't want to do my email. Like it's really easy if you're listening to me say this and you think, you know what, email is the thing that's the most stressful point in my life, or it's taking the most time when I'd rather spend that time growing my business or creating a product or having lunch with my son, as you seem to do yes. a lot, Robert, you know, or, or exercising or traveling the world, whatever it is, email is usually the last sort of sticking point that keeps you trapped to, you know, mm. your business on some level, or even as a, not an entrepreneur, but you know, you, you could just be your, your personal email if you're but, an executive or whatever. Okay. Let me just, I'm just th thinking about this, obviously from a sort of solo business owner point of view. And of course. Uh, there is no doubt that um, a number of us running our own businesses with the thought of having someone else, look after our email is hugely appealing. But then the little voice in the back of my head is saying, how on earth would that work? You know, so, the, and I'd like to understand this better. So let's, let's, you know, I've emailed Robert Gerrish's emails, Yara Starrick. I'm saying, hey, Yara, I'd like to have you on my podcast. So you don't see that, but your virtual assistant or your in, inbox done 
person sees it. Mm-hmm. But then then what happens? Surely they're going to have to come back and go, yeah, right, Robert wants to get you on his podcast. And then, <laughs> you know, how does it work? A perfect example, because that's been happening to me ever since I started a blog, is getting invitations to be on a podcast. So okay. um, we built a system around that, uh, which we can, you know, you can replicate for anyone. So first of all, Robert, my assistant would email you back. We, we, we have a template for this um, to verify that you're not you know, like a, a podcaster who just has no Spams listeners. Everyone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, how legitimate are you? Uh, how, how professional are you? How long have you been doing this? Yeah. Who's your target audience? Just, just a basic vetting because we don't want to spend time scheduling me for something that's not, you know, it's not a good use of my time, basically. Gotcha. So okay. my team will verify that. And then if they tick, you tick the box, Robert, in this case, which you did, uh, then Phew. my team will actually send you an email, go book into my calendar. And we use Calendly to manage that. Okay. So I actually would never see anything until the point of that it's actually booked in my calendar. And then my team might send me a Slack message saying, hey, uh, your Robert's just booked in for the podcast. Uh, here's the date, just in case, you know, I'm not carefully monitoring my my calendar which i, I actually don't so yeah, you know okay. slack is a okay warning. so well look, that's that's a good response so clearly then that's that's what you do presumably with with a lot of kind of recurring things like linkedin notes and other you know fairly standard things so when you when a new client joins you let's say i come to inboxdone.com and i want to do this what does that process look like? It sounds like I'm going to get asked a lot of questions. I mean, how does, how does, it, how does it start? Well, we, we always have like a 30-day training period, and that's depending on you know, how busy your inbox is and how sure. complicated it is. The one great thing about email is you have spent how many years sending messages and replying to people. We can go into your sent folder anytime and see how Robert Garish replies to messages. So the way we normally start is we call it onboarding. We'll get on like we're doing now and then we'll do a screen share. You can just take us into your your email inbox and your sent folder or your all mail folder and just say, these are the kind of emails I get um, and these are the kind of ways I reply. And that's just an overview to get going. Mm. Mm. Then we'll we'll jump in without you because the whole point here is to not, you know, create more time for you free and we're freeing up time for you so we'll we'll try and learn about what you do do you know what products you sell presumably that must be quite easy for you having done this for a number of years you know you kind of know what you're looking for well when we say you it's not me so this is the great thing about it my my co-founder is actually she's claire she does and did my email for the last two years so she knows more about these systems and she's really you know operations she really gets this she's created over a hundred templates for my company. Now she mm. kind of is the, the onboarder for all of the new clients we take on. And then, you know, you get your own dedicated manager. So yeah, there's a lot of things that you don't realize, first of all, can be templated and systematized, still customized. Like, cause you mm. obviously have your own way of speaking, your own way of writing. You have your own, like we have a client who uh, deals with people who have a dissociative disorder, which is multiple personalities. So wow. we have to be very careful about how we reply to that kind of email. It's, it's, sure. it's sensitive. So we had to you know, work with her to figure out how does she want to introduce, introduce us to her audience? And then yes. how does she want us? And she decided, you know, this is our, my assistant. He's helping me with my email or she's helping with my email. And then the, you know, her audience became comfortable and takes a level of empathy. So, 
in our case, we, we try and get, or we always get, you know, English as a first language, yep. uh, people with emotional intelligence, empathy, we're kind of not looking for the, you know, the $4 an hour outsource. So this is where I guess no. we're deviating a bit from the four hour work week. It's not about sure. lowest costs. It's about no. the right person. For the job. Yeah. yeah. You need and that. So, yeah. Okay. So as a user, you get someone who's kind of assigned to you. They become, they become your inbox person and hopefully will stick around. Um, yeah. And then, uh, so are they, do they, are they answering as if they are Yarrow? Or again, is that, is that client by client? Do some people say, I want you to be me, or I want you to be the PA to me? Is, is there a choice? There's a choice. Uh, yeah. I mean, it is up to you. It, obviously, it's a little more difficult for us to be you. We have a couple of clients who, who want that at the moment. The downside from the client perspective is, you might get an email like Robert actually knows the answer, but we definitely yeah. don't and we yeah. can't even learn it. So we'll still have to kind of write back as you and then come yes. to you and then come yeah, back again. Messy, isn't it? Connected. So it's yeah. definitely better to be a, you know, your, your system. But a lot of people like that because it mm. gives the impression of this is how serious my company is. It's growing. Yes. We're building yes. a team. And you use the right word. This is someone who should be seen as a team member, yep. not like a, you know, a contractor outsourcer. This is someone mm. you'll actually talk to and get to know yep. and they'll manage your yeah, email. I, look, I think it's, t- and I think I, I agree. I think the, um, and I can imagine that having somebody who is, is an assistant or whatever language you want to put around it uh, is beneficial. And as you rightly say, people, um, you know, they want, they want the right response, but more than anything, they want a response. So mm. I guess what's happening through your service is they're getting a response. It might not always be the response they want. But again, if you're getting bad news, it's far nicer to get it quickly than it is after you've chased it three times. Oh, yeah. So um, and solo businesses, are we a good profile for you? Definitely if you're getting email, you know, and obviously you can justify the cost. You know, this is a yep. situation where if you're just struggling to pay your rent and it's a, a startup, you're hustling to get cash flow going, yep. you're, you, you do everything yourself. It's just part sure. of the, the growth period. But if you're at the point where you're at the other end where maybe, you know, you're not able to do like create new product or create new marketing cam- campaign or, mm. um, you know, maybe your most important job is actually to get on the phone call and speak to potential customers, but you're spending two hours in the morning or two hours at night or both, uh, do, you know, putting up fires that are not a high level of activity, yep. then yep. that's the perfect kind of person. Or like you said, you know, sometimes I remember um, I was surprised how, even if you have someone come to you with an email with bad news and you write back and you don't have a solution, but you just write back, yes. it's like good customer service is simply communicating. <laughs> That's, That's all it totally. is. So, and so yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. And so many problems become big problems because of either total lack of communication or poor communication. You know, and it's uh, it's just crazy. So I just think it's a fantastic business. I'm certainly going to go and delve into it and have a good look. So presumably anybody can have a look at um, inboxdone.com and and then they go through and get a quote based on what their level of sort of inbox? Uh, we do a discovery call. In fact, right now you'd okay. be doing that with me. I'm in charge of discovery calls. So we'd be right. just, we have a chat, talk about, you know, a lot of people have uh, addictions and trust issues with the idea of someone mm. taking over their email. They, they can't get away from it. They feel uncomfortable not knowing what's going on in their inbox or letting someone else take over or just, few basic questions like how do you worry about password protection security how many times a day can you check my email uh do you work on weekends so just cover those kind of basic 
questions. And then we start everyone at the same rate for the training period because that's obviously a bit more of a labor-intensive period for both sure. of us. Yeah. And then once the training is over, we, we know and you know, yeah. uh, you know how much volume you've what got and we kind of yeah. figure it out from them. But you know, first discovery call with me just to get the basics covered. Fantastic. And who, is, who, who, who are you finding are, are, are sort of devouring your service the most at the moment? Is it possible to categorize? Well, to be honest, a lot of the people who've come to the business are through me. <laughs> we go yeah. back to the original discussion we had about you know, sure. your audience and who trusts you over the years. So, but the difference now is there are people who are, I guess you'd call them um, experts, authorities, leaders yep. in their space. So we've got people who, for example, are very good at managing people's Facebook ads. And gotcha. you know, their specialty is doing Facebook ads, but yep. they're getting a lot of clients. Yeah. You know, yep. so... So anyone who's a specialist, an expert, who's kind of grown beyond maybe the solo operator and they're, they're ready to start building out just the first layers of, you know, a technical person, a customer service person, mm. someone to handle your email. We can do customer service and handle your email all in one role as a, an email representative. So that would be, that is the, the current clientele. And it's yeah. always people who are successful, I guess, you know, they are making money. They are sure. Uh, yeah and look and i think as you rightly said you know if you're if you're absolutely in startup and uh, you haven't got money to to invest in places might not be the right time right now but i mean i guess the most important thing for any business at any stage is you've got to have your eye on the future Mm. and if you can at least see okay when i get to this level i can get this business to help me then that that's that's the key thing i think is so often what happens is business gets swamped because they've never found that solution they've never got their eye on it you know the conversation i often get with people is somebody saying i can't afford to take on any help but you very quickly if you can get to a point where you can't afford not to take on help um Mm -hmm. and it's you've got to have an idea of where that help's coming from if you're Mm -hmm. going to successfully kind of traverse through that stage haven't you so look yeah yeah it's been fantastic to catch up with you so we can find uh, we can have a good look at inboxdone.com uh your own site is yarrow.blog correct yarrow.blog so look if you've not listeners if you've not uh, come across yarrow you know Firstly, where have you been? Uh, but go and have a look. <laughs> see what he's up to. Um, and I do. I just think Yarrow, uh, inboxdone.com sounds like a great business. Certainly going to have a look at it. So thank you so much for uh, joining us uh, on this evening in Vancouver. And uh, great to catch up with you. So another 12 years, talk to you again. <laughs> <laughs> sounds good, Robert. Let's just stay alive. If we can do them every 12 yeah. years, it'll be amazing. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good goal. I like goals. Okay. And look, before I go, don't forget that when it comes to creating a truly enjoyable and prosperous business, Flying Solo gets you. Premium membership has all the tips and tools you'll need for just $99. Head to the join page to learn more. And that's where we'll leave this show from Flying Solo and your host, Robert Gerrish. We'd love to receive feedback, even a brief review for those listening via iTunes. If you're planning to start a business or rejuvenate the one you're in, check out our bestseller, Flying Solo, How to Go It Alone in Business. It includes everything we know about working on your own. And of course, we invite you to dive into the resources and supportive community at flyingsolo.com.au.